a podcast about the overlooked, forgotten, and underground tales of San Francisco. This is Sorted SF. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Sorted SF. Uh, thanks for being here. I'm going to just jump right into it and get going, because uh, it turns out vampires in San Francisco kind of go hand in hand. For today's episode, I've gotten most of my research from an article written by Christina Campandinico? Campandinico. Campandinico. Sorry, Christina. I don't know how to say your last name. Uh, but she writes for the SF Standard. We don't have our own Edward Cullen, but we do have Interview with a Vampire. This book was written by Anne Rice in 1976 and then made into a film in 1994 starring kind of everyone. Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt, Stephen Ray, Antonio Banderas, Christian Slater, and Kristen Dunst. Uh, All big names. I've never seen it. Regardless, the story takes place in an old Victorian right here on Divisadero in San Francisco. But San Francisco's vampiric lore goes a lot deeper than just this movie. SF has been home to vampires for ages, and the vampires really prefer to live in Knob Hill. So they love it here so much that San Francisco was recently ranked the country's fifth best city for vampires. Yeah, the undead are really happy here. Local vampire Kitty Burns Nazaro gives tours of the vampire hotspots around Knob Hill and has actually been giving these tours for the past 21 years. On her tour, she stops at historic haunts such as Grace Cathedral, the Fairmount Hotel, Fairmount, Fairmont Hotel, the Pacific Union Club, the Knob Hill Cafe, and the Intercontinental Mark Hopkins Hotel. Kitty says that Knob Hill is a popular home for vampires because of the beauty of Huntington Park, the vampiric connection to Knob Hill Cafe, which I'll get into later, and the vampire's love of French architecture. Uh, which is Grace Cathedral. But more importantly, the vampires love it because of all the secret underground tunnels underneath Knob Hill. One of these alleged passageways connects the Pacific Union Club to a townhouse across California Street known to locals as the Jewel Box. It's rumored that the tunnel was used to shuttle real estate mogul Herbert Law's mistress from the members-only club to his bachelor pad across the way. Kitty says it's in these tunnels that herself and other members of the vampire community live, and they don't need to worry about the cost of living because they're all undead, which is her words. They don't need to worry about prices because, again, they're all undead. So back to the Knob Hill Cafe. The Knob Hill Cafe was at one time the go-to watering hole for local vampires looking for a fresh meal. The restaurant was established in the late 19th century, and called Feeding After Dark, which is pretty cute, uh, where vampires could come and get a taste of the mortals who were out for an innocent dining experience. During normal business hours when the restaurant was serving humans in the main dining room, the eatery's bartender would keep an eye out for patrons who were dining alone. Whenever a solo diner headed to the restroom, a trap would be set in motion. The bartender would pull the lever, and the floor beneath the person in the bathroom would open up, and they'd fall down into the tunnel below, Kitty explains. 
That's how we got our meals. She says we a lot when talking about these vampires. And it worked beautifully for years, she lamented. But unfortunately, a massive battle between humans and vampires destroyed Feeding After Dark in 1959. Kitty says that 50 vampire coffins remain below the cafe and their corpses will regenerate in 140 years. So stay tuned for that. Kitty states she would also sit at the top of the mark to stake out her next meal with Jack the Ripper. Um, She would like everyone to know that vampires being afraid or intolerant of garlic is a myth. And she actually encourages her tour guests to dine at the Stinking Rose, the garlic restaurant, before meeting her for the tours, just to prove that vampires are totally fine with garlic. Kitty also states that vampires like herself aren't afraid of the sun, nor do they hate it. They're just allergic to the sun's rays. So the fog here in San Francisco is really helpful for them. Surprisingly, or unsurprisingly, this is the only information I could get about vampires in San Francisco from this one article about Kitty. I think Kitty and her undead friends need to up their internet presence, but I, like, I don't think they're trying to stay coy. She does a fucking tour, so I don't know what their deal is. Whatever. I did find another, I don't know if I'd call it an article, but I found another story, maybe, from the Federal Vampire and Zombie Agency with a telling of opium dem- uh, vampires. According to them, back in the 1880s, there was an influx of Chinese vampires who lived in opium dens and would feed on opium addicts. Federal vampire and zombie agent Jim Belmore took on the task of ridding the opium dens of these vampires. I'll read you a section of the thing we're going to call an article. So here we go. Over the course of the afternoon, Belmore had the underground complex sealed off and the surrounding neighborhood evacuated. With the help of the fire and police departments, his team pumped smoke into the complex. Within minutes, scores of vampires staggered out into Stout's Alley and were destroyed. Once the smoke had cleared, Belmore led his team on another underground sweep. In all, almost 100 vampires were wiped out. The team stayed in the area for another week, during which they destroyed another 50 vampires. By the time they left, Chinatown was secure, and the grateful residents presented Belmore with a valuable jade scepter. End quote. I mean, I know opium was a thing in Chinatown, but I'm not sure about the vampires. But who knows? I decided that I don't have opinions on things I don't know enough about. And I think that's growth. Uh, you let me know. Things I do know about, though, uh, is that proposal to build that 50-story skyscraper across the street from the zoo. I've been talking to everyone about it. I'll talk your ear off about it all day uh, because it's the most fucking absurd thing I've ever heard in my life, and I'll tell you why. It's meant to have around 712 new apartments with 15,000 square feet of retail space and 113 affordable units. Affordable in San Francisco means 80% of the median income. In San Francisco, the median income is roughly $54,000, meaning that to qualify for this low-income housing, you'd need to make $43,000. Obviously, I'm a fan of affordable housing, uh, but I make too much to live in San Francisco's affordable housing, and I certainly don't make enough to be able to afford whatever insane price they're going to charge for oceanfront property. And again, like just another example of the middle class being pushed out of San Francisco. 
There's like no room for anyone unless you're super rich or in a tent or super poor. RIP middle class. Um, and you know, people could tell me, but Monica, if they build more units, won't it mean the price of the units will go down, supply and demand? And it won't. If you kept up with rental and housing markets in the Bay Area, and especially SF, you'll know developers don't give a shit about adjusting prices. There's not a housing, there's not a housing shortage in San Francisco. There's plenty of homes. They're just too fucking expensive for what you're getting. There's thousands of empty units across the city, and landlords and property agencies will not lower the price of them. They'd rather them sit empty than take $50 less than what they're asking. And it's insane. There's also a housing complex next door to this proposed spot that finished in like 2020, and some of it's affordable, some of it's um, not. They were selling the non affordable, like one bedroom units for like $750,000. So I can't imagine um, what they're going to do with this 50 foot fucking skyscraper, 50 story skyscraper is going to be any different than that for the non affordable rooms. But so this building's also meant to be mixed use, but the entire bottom floor, the mixed use part, is completely empty. It's just empty concrete rooms that haven't even been built out yet. The windows are covered with this plastic stuff, and it's like peeling off. It's sun damage. It just looks like shit. And I've never seen anyone go in or out of those apartments. I don't even know if there's people in them. Like, it straight up looks like an abandoned building. And like normally, you know, with my urban planning background or whatever, I I normally like mixed use developments, but this is insane. And I hate being a fucking NIMBY, but like what idiot did this? I want to know because I'm just thinking about him as that Adam Driver meme with Adam Driver yelling more. And, you know, someone was like, OK, what if we do a 10 story building? He was just like more. And then. He just kept yelling more and more. And that's how we're getting a 50 foot, 50 foot. It keeps saying 50 foot, 50 story fucking apartment building. Uh, so I hate that. And, you know, hopefully it won't pass. It won't. It won't. It's built on sand. Uh, but anyway, that's me on my soapbox. Feel free to uh, come for me in my DMs. Okay, bye. Bye.